Joel chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. The Lord utters his voice before his army, for his camp is exceedingly great. He who executes his word is powerful, for the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning. And rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God? This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, David. You can be seated. Let's pray. Lord, we're so grateful to be here. We are so grateful that we're called by your name. And I pray this morning, Lord, that you would grant me to be faithful to your word, to speak your truth. Lord, anything I say of myself, let it quickly fall away and be forgotten, but let your word endure. We ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, again, good morning. Um, as always, what a privilege and an honor it is to address you from the Word of God. And uh, last week, Pastor Mark began a new series. As he said, he loves to begin series. And uh, we began a new series uh, on the Minor Prophets. And so over the course of 11 weeks, we're going to be covering uh, the Minor Prophets. Now, those of you that are uh, students of the Bible should immediately know that there actually are 12 Minor Prophets. Uh, but we're going to be skipping Jonah. Uh, Jonah's not going to get any love. Um, not because he doesn't deserve it, which he doesn't because he is a scoundrel and a rascal, but rather because we just recently had a, a mini-series on Jonah, and it's up on the website, and so if you want to uh, uh, learn about Jonah, you can go and uh, listen to the podcast there. So we're going to be covering uh, 11 of the 12 uh, minor prophets. Uh, last week, Pastor Mark began with Hosea, and uh, today, obviously, we're going to be covering the prophet Joel. Now, uh, as, as Pastor Mark said last week, they are called the minor prophets not because they are of any less importance than any of the so-called major prophets, such as Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and Ezekiel and those guys. Um, their, their word is just as much the word of God as the major prophets, but they're called the minor prophets because of uh, several reasons. First of all, we don't really know as much about these guys as we do uh, the major prophets. Um, and also because uh, they, uh, their, their works tend to be much shorter. Uh, Joel is only three chapters. Uh, and also, many times, we just don't know at what point in human history, uh, in redemptive history, they spoke. So we just don't know as much about these guys. Nevertheless, their word is just as much the word of God as any other. 
Now, as I was uh, talking to Pastor Mark as we began thinking about this series, I told him that my perception, and probably yours as well, of the minor prophets is that they tend to be pretty dry. Um, I uh, go into people's homes or I go into people's offices and I often see many scriptures from Psalms or from the epistles, um, maybe from Genesis, but rarely do I see a scripture from Habakkuk or Micah. Uh, the minor prophets are just not really um, thought of that much. They're all, almost, if you will, the lost books of the Bible. But I'm hoping this morning and over the course of the next, I guess, ten more, uh, nine more weeks, that we will rediscover the life that is in the minor prophets. Not that we need to breathe new life into them. There's already life there. We just need to discover it. And so it's my hope that the Holy Spirit will really open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to, to, to recapture the life that is there. Uh, it's been helpful to me, um, particularly as I was studying Joel here, to remember that at some point in history, in, in human history, in redemptive history, the words of Joel were the cutting edge of what God had to say. They were at some point the newest and the most fresh words from the Lord on the face of the earth and in human history. So try to be mindful of that as we go through the book of Joel, remembering that at one time it was the tip of the arrow, it was the tip of the spear, and this is what God was saying. And I hope that that's what you will do this morning. Now, um, Joel, in his writing, as I said, we know very little about most of these guys, and that's true of Joel as well. We do know that his name means Yahweh is God, or the Lord is God. What a name. We know that he was the son of Pethuel. Um, that's uh, inserted in there, I think, just to identify who Joel was. That was his surname. He was Pethulson. So he was Joel Pethulson. And that's all we know about his dad. He's never mentioned again in the scriptures. He probably uh, was from uh, Judah. Um, as you remember, the nation of Israel at one time was a united nation of, of 12 tribes. And uh, in the reign of Solomon's son, uh, there was a, uh, a bloodless civil war, if you will. And the nation split into two nations. The ten northern tribes became known as Israel. The two southern tribes became known as Judah. And sadly, they were never reunited again. But Joel was probably from, uh, he was a southerner. He was probably from Judah. Um, he also probably was from uh, Jerusalem. Uh, he was um, an urbanite. He was not a farm boy. And uh, that those we're just speculating, but that's probably uh, what we know about him. Because he addresses the priests in his uh, prophecy, uh, that implies that he himself was not a priest, as he indicts and rebukes and exhorts the priest. Um, we also do not know when he wrote. But all of these things that we do not know about him are really irrelevant because he spoke the word of God. And the word he spoke was timeless. And it is just as relevant for us today as it was in the time that he spoke. So Joel 1, verse 1. 
the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel. And here we have the first touch of the gospel. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, in the beginning, with God. And Joel says, the Word of the Lord. He is speaking here the words of Jesus Christ. Now this morning, as I kind of work through the book of Joel, um, not to be clever, but to be creative... I want to kind of couch it or frame it um, in, in the motif of, of a movie, of a screenplay, if you will permit that to me. Um, I'm sure that most of you guys have uh, been to a theater and been watching a movie that, that kind of started like this. So you get your popcorn and you get your $18 Coke and you sit down in your seat and you make it through the trailers and the, you know, the previews and, and all the advertisements and then things kind of get quiet and then the movie starts and you know things are moving along and they start laying um, the the foundation for the movie and you're kind of getting into it and then suddenly boom and suddenly the uh, action just hits a fever pitch and your heart is racing and there's this burst of adrenaline from your chest and you suddenly are identifying with uh, the good guys and maybe the bad guys are chasing them and you're rooting for them and, and your heart is pounding and you can feel the pulse in your neck and, and uh, your head is swimming and the music is, is building and building and building and building to this great crescendo and then they drop it. Has that ever happened to you? You're now ready to hear the book of Joel. (laughs) Hear this, you elders. Give ear, all you inhabitants of the land. Has such a thing happened in your days or in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Let your children tell their children and their children to the next generation. What the cutting locust has left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust has left, the hopping locust has eaten. What the hopping locust has left, the destroying locust has eaten. Awake, you drunkards, and weep and wail, all you drinkers of wine, because of the sweet wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, Powerful and beyond number. Its teeth are lion's teeth. It has the fangs of a lioness. It has laid waste my vine and splintered my fig tree. It has stripped off their bark and thrown it down. Their branches are made white. Lament like a virgin wearing sackcloth for the bridegroom who has lost her bride of her youth. The grain offering and the drink offering are cut off from the house of the Lord. The priests mourn. The ministers of the Lord. The fields are destroyed. The ground mourns because the grain is destroyed. The wine dries up. The oil languishes. Be ashamed, O tillers of the soil. Wail, O vine dressers. For the wheat and the barley, because the harvest of the field has perished. 
the vine dries up. The fig tree languishes. Pomegranate, palm, and apple, all the trees of the field are dried up. And gladness dries up from the children of men. Scene one, the invasion. Joel, the movie of Joel, is a horror story. It should invoke terror in those that are hearing what he has to say. This army of locusts have come in to the land. And and just think this through. One day, the, the inhabitants are looking at the horizon out there. And they say, what is that black that we see coming? And that blackness starts to grow and to grow and to grow and get closer. And then they start hearing the sound of the locust wings. And this haboob of locust comes into the land and invades the land and begins to devour everything that's in the land. Joel is a horror story. And God Himself in this invasion stops He stops the offerings in his own house. He cuts it off and says, no more. Scene 2, an uneasy night. Verses 13 through 20. Put on sackcloth and lament, O priest. Wail, O ministers of the altar. Go in, pass the night in sackcloth. O ministers of my God, because grain offering and drink offering are withheld from the house of your God. Consecrate a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is near. And as destruction from the Almighty, it comes. Is not the food cut off before our eyes? Joy and gladness from the house of our God? The seed shrivels under the clods. The storehouses are desolate. The granaries are torn down because the grain has dried up. How the beast groan. The herds of cattle are perplexed. Because there is no pasture for them. Even the flocks of sheep suffer. To you, O Lord, I call. For fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. And flames have burned all the trees of the field. Even the beasts of the field pant for you. Because the water brooks are dried up. And fire has devoured the pastures of the wilderness. Joel calls upon everyone all night long to think about what has happened, to ponder it during an uneasy night. Not only are there the locusts, but there's the drought. He describes it as a flame that is just like a wildfire gone through the wilderness and gone through the fields and destroyed everything in sight. And in verse 15, he says, Alas for the day, for the daybreak. Oh, that the day wouldn't come. For the day of the Lord is near. 
and as destruction from the Almighty, it comes. You see, this was just the first wave. It's only just begun. Scene three, reprise. Blow a trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord is coming. It is near. A day of darkness and gloom. A day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness that is spread upon the mountains. A great and powerful people. Their like has never been before, nor will it ever be again after them through the years of all generations. Fire devours before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land before them is like the Garden of Eden, but behind them is a desolate wilderness. Nothing escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses they run. As with the rumbling of chariots, they leap on the tops of the mountains, like the crackling of a flame of fire devouring the stubble, like a powerful army drawn up for battle. Before them, peoples are in anguish. All faces grow pale. Like warriors, they charge. Like soldiers, they scale the wall. They march each on his own way. They do not swerve from their paths. They do not jostle one another. Each marches in his own path. They burst upon the weapons and they are not halted. They leap upon the city. They run upon the walls. They climb up into the houses. They enter into the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters His voice. It is His army. For His camp is exceedingly great. And He who executes His word is powerful. For the day of the Lord is great and very awesome. Who can endure it? The book of Joel is a horror story. Just imagine the devastation. Joel describes the army of locusts in human terms as though it were a human army and the terror that it brought to them. The, the, the granaries were torn down. There was nothing left inside the granaries. They couldn't protect what food they had stored in the barns. It was all eaten up. What is, hide, what is, what is happening here? What is going on? God is fighting His own people. He has declared war against His own people and He is fighting them. Now at this point, you should be asking yourself about this big hole in the plot. Why? What's going on? I mean, with Hosea, that Mark preached last week, at least Hosea said to them and indicted them that they were being a whore with other nations, and, uh, with the gods of other nations, and they had gone after other gods. But here, Joel says nothing. He has not said yet what their sin is. Why is God fighting them? As I was reading uh, the commentators on this, most of them 
just said, it's a mystery. We just don't know what was going on. Some commentators said that, yeah, we don't know, but they knew what it was. But may I humbly suggest to you that Joel says exactly. Am I still on? Joel says exactly what is going on. Awake, you drunkards. Awake, you drunkards. Awake, you drunkards. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, as the children of Israel were um, preparing to go and take the land, Moses says, The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that He might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. And He humbled you, and He let you hunger, and He fed you manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out, your foot did not swell these 40 years. Then, know in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in His ways and by fearing Him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out in the valleys and hills. A land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of olive trees and honey. A land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. In which you will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full. And you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land that He has given you. But take care. Lest you forget the Lord your God. By not keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes. Which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them. When your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great 
and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know that he might humble you and test you, whether you would do good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is today. May I suggest humbly that what happened was they became so prosperous and life became so easy that they forgot the Lord their God and became intoxicated with His blessings. That that was their sin. Scene four. A call to repentance. Yet even now, declares the Lord, Return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Don't rend your garments, rend your hearts. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and He relents over disaster. Who knows whether He will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow a trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even the nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priest and the ministers of the Lord weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Even in this judgment, He calls His people to repentance and He says, Repent and return to Me. Rend your hearts. He says, assemble the elders. That's not the leaders, the elders of the church. That's the old people. They are not exempt. Get the gray hairs. Get the old people. Get the bedridden. Bring them. They need to be first. The children, they are not exempt. Empty out the children's church. Bring them in because their parents have set them on the same path as their parents are on. Bring the infants. They need this. It's just a matter of time for them. Let the bridegroom say, Today is no day for a wedding. Today is a day of repentance. Let the bride say, Today is not the happiest day of my life. Today is a day of repentance. Gather them all together in a solemn assembly and repent. Perhaps the Lord will will relent. 
Now, those of you that are students of the Scripture know that the Scriptures are inspired, but the chapters and verses are not. And right here, there is a gaping silence. Imagine in this movie we're watching that the screen just goes dark for a while and it's just silent. Scene 5. The land will be refreshed. It's implied here that they repented. Then the Lord became jealous for His land and had pity on His people. And the Lord answered and said to His people, Behold, I am sending to you grain and wine and oil and you will be satisfied. And I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. I will remove the northerner far from you and I will drive him into the parched and desolate land. His vanguard into the eastern sea. His rear guard into the western sea. The stench and the foul smell of him will rise for he has done great things. Fear not, O land. Be glad. Rejoice. For the Lord has done great things. Fear not, you beasts of the field. For the pastures of the wilderness are now green. And the trees are bearing fruit. The fig tree and the vine give their full yield. Be glad, O children of Zion. And rejoice in the Lord your God. For He has given you the early rains for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain, the early and the latter rains as before. The threshing floors shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and with oil. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I have sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wonderfully with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. And you shall know that I am, that I am in the midst of Israel that I am the Lord your God and there is no one else and my people shall never again be put to shame. Behold the goodness of the Lord, the kindness of the Lord. Just, just imagine the beauty, the bounty, the blessings of the Lord as He responds to their heartfelt repentance. God wants to bless them. And He wants them to know that He is. Scene 6. You have no idea what's about to happen. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out My Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. 
Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood. Before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, there shall be those who escape. As the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven the sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now were those, there were those dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear each of them in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya around Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all of them were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? Others were mocking, saying they are filled with sweet wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. But this is that. This is that. Which was spoken through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will, see one, and I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and the foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed at the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, loosening the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. 
And David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life and you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence that the patriarch David died, was buried, and is dead. His tomb is with us today. But being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel know therefore for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And when they heard it, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the others, what must we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many words he exhorted them, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day 3,000 souls to the church. This is that. Spoken of by the prophet Joel. In conclusion, Joel chapter 3, and continuing kind of the motif of the movie here. In 1985, there was a, a, a movie that was released, and this was 10 years before DVDs, way before streaming, and the only way you could watch a movie was to go to the theater. There was a movie released uh, which was based upon a, a very well-known board game, Clue. And there was something that was done. The producers of this movie, the studio, did something with this movie that I, to my knowledge, was never done before. Do you remember what it was? There were three different versions of the movie released. The story was the same, but there were three different endings. And depending upon which theater you went to, you saw a different ending. And so it is with Joel. Depending upon who you are, you will have a different ending to your movie. Whether you are God's friend, God's household, or God's enemy. There are echoes in Joel 3 of the final consummation of all things, and especially as we read in Acts 2 about the Father making all of Jesus' enemies His footstool. And Jesus' enemies are my enemies. He will make our enemies our footstool as well. For behold, in those days and at that time, 
when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. And I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my heritage. Because they have scattered them among the nations and have divided up my land. And have cast lots for my people. They've traded a boy for a prostitute. They've sold a girl for wine and have drunk it. What are you to me, O Tyre and Sidon and all the regions of Philistia? Are you paying me back for something? If you're paying me back, I will return your payment on your own head swiftly and speedily. For you have taken my silver and my gold and have carried my rich treasures into your temples. You have sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks in order to remove them far from their own border. Behold, I will stir them up from the place to which you have sold them, and I will return your payment on your own head. I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabaeans, to a nation far away, for the Lord has spoken. And then he mocks these nations, the nations of the earth. Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Stir up the mighty men. Let all the men of war draw near. Let them come up. Beat their plowshares into swords and their pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I'm a warrior. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. Bring down your warriors, O Lord. Let the nations stir themselves up and come to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit and judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Go in, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their evil is great. The Lord is amassing for the final victory. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is near. In the valley of decision, the sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. And then the Lord roars from Zion and utters his voice from Jerusalem, and the heavens and the earth quake. But the Lord is a refuge to his people, a stronghold to the people of Israel. And the final scene. And you will know that I am the Lord your God, who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain. And Jerusalem shall be holy, and strangers shall never again pass through it. And in that day the mountains shall drip sweet wine, the hill shall flow with milk, and all the stream beds of Judah shall flow with water. And the fountains shall come forth from the house of the Lord and water the valley of Shittim. Egypt shall become a desolation. Edom, a desolate wilderness for the violence done to the people of Judah because they have shed innocent blood in their land. But Judah will be inhabited forever and Jerusalem to all generations. I will avenge their blood blood I have not avenged. And the final frame of the movie, for the Lord dwells in Zion. 
So what's our takeaway? What, what's in this for us? What is the Lord saying in this timeless prophecy to us today? Well, if you haven't caught it already, first of all, that everything God does, He does for His glory. And that we may know Him. He is the great I Am. And He wants us to know Him. But if we do forget Him, and if we become intoxicated with all of His blessings and all of the good that He has brought to us, and our lives are, are good, but we forget Him, He will fight us in His jealousy. He will fight us to bring us back to repentance, to where we should be. You know, Jesus said when He was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. I wonder if some of us love the Lord with our hearts and with our souls but not our minds or our strength. I wonder sometimes if we come to church to go into a worship coma, to go into a worship state of worship stupor, and we don't think about the depth of the truth when we're singing our songs, what they're saying to our minds. I wonder if we don't serve the Lord with, with our strength, with our hands, in, in practical needs of the body of Christ. I wonder if we love Him with part of our hearts, part of our being, but not all of it. The Lord called the entire community, old and young, great and small, to repentance. And so He does call us to repentance. And if we repent... He responds. He is slow to anger, great in patience, willing to forgive. May we never forget the Lord our God. Let's pray. Father, I have been guilty of forgetting you. And my attention has been on other things. Not always sin or evil things, but your blessings, Lord, and all the good that you've brought to my life. And I have become distracted and forgotten you. I pray with you, I plead with you, Lord, never again. Lord, I pray for Northridge Life Church. Never again may we forget you. May you have no need to fight us, Lord. We ask you that you would forgive us where we've been distracted and not loved you with our whole heart. And we ask you to teach us, Lord, to love you. You loved us first. 
teach us to love you, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would stand, please. And now, if you'll put your hands in a receiving position, I want to pronounce a benediction. From the book of Joel, chapter 2, verse 27. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is none else. And my people shall never again be put to shame. Amen. You're dismissed.